<laughs> what's my football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I will be very careful about selling stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're here on our midweek Wednesday episode. Didn't have that last week, Sam. No. It's good to be back to have a little you know, extra time. Because it was Thanksgiving. It was. It was Thanksgiving last week. But today, an action-packed show. Action. Yeah? We're not going to move around a lot, but there's a lot of action. Well, that's good, because this, this mic stand, I don't think it would stand up to It's about time action. you got the, the bad one over there. Um, Ariel Helwani is going to join us. Yep. Host of the MMA Hour. Bill's and, super fan. Josh th- Allen, super fan. Yes. Um, I might be wearing my Josh Allen jersey for that interview. Yeah. That's going to happen live, right, as we go. Right. We're just going to change real quick and do the interview. I guess if you're going to put on a Josh Allen jersey, I might take this Lancer jersey off and replace it with a random yeah. top. It's TV magic, man. We're going we're gonna to change and we're going to interview Ariel Helwani. He's, it's, it's a return to the show yes. for him. And uh, it was great to have him dis- discuss all sorts of stuff, I imagine. But that's coming up at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, today, as always, we'll have a little explain the grade. We'll review Monday Night Football and answer emails. Right. And as you mentioned, um, it was Thanksgiving last week. And I don't know if you remember, but we asked, you know, we had a, a, an epic Manscaped read at one point, which suggested, I think, in the read that you should, you know, explain to your family the, the benefits of the Manscaped product. Uh, and I said that, look, if anyone was willing to do that over Thanksgiving dinner, talk out, talk up the Manscaped, the, whatever it is, the, the lawnmower 4.0, you know, the benefits of shaving your nuts in front of your family, I would personally see to it that they got a free PFF subscription. And somebody came through. A guy, frankly, whose name sounds a bit made up, Frank Buffington, which is really a perfect name perfect for this. For the Manscaped, anyway, Dad. Yeah. He sent us a video. He actually did it. So, Tyler, hit it. Had enough. They had a belly. Did you hear about the hottest new uh, gift this year? The what? The hottest new Christmas gift uh, called Manscaped. It's a it's a trimmer for uh, men for their private areas. <laughs> oh, I oh, it's called I Manscaped. It's called. I a, use the same one for that as I shave my beard. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a little battery thing. You just get out there. It says keep your your jingle bells clean and presentable. Yes. The uh, the little paws on the bottom are hard to shave. The rest of us are. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, yeah, that's a right off and shave it. And okay. It's a little hairy for a little bit. Frank, yeah. I had it done for nothing when they operated on me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to see? <laughs> no, sorry. Guy or a girl? I don't know. I was out. Oh. <laughs> Okay, that was amazing. Magic. <laughs> that so there we go. Incredible. Frank earned himself a, a free PFF subscription. Give him two be, years. Give him two years subscription. Should be up and running now. I particularly like the family member who was like, I got it done for free when I had surgery. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Someone jumped Just in. Sort of life hack there. Oh, man, I, I had forgotten that, that you uh, had that call to action. Same, until I was going through the email mailbox and, and discovered <laughs> the video. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, that was Frank? Frank. Buffington. Buffington. Good which sounds Frank. a lot like a made-up name, but, um, you know, maybe maybe it is. Is that, is he like Frank.Buffington at Gmail or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I'm sure that's the man's name, but anyway, good work for good work. 
Well, good for Frank. See, we're, we're men of our word, you know? We are. We make yes. these outlandish claims, and then if somebody actually emails us. If someone us reminds email, us of those claims. We'll fire it up. When I first saw the email, I thought that he, because remember there was the other guy that said he would make his own Manscaped commercial yes. or something like that. I thought it was someone who lost a bet and that the bet had failed and that he was sending something in. Uh -huh. And then I realized later that you said, hey, bring this up at the Thanksgiving dinner table, as we suggest. And someone did. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, nflpodcast.pff.com. That's that's it. The, the Thanksgiving is past, right? If you didn't do it at the time, you're not getting a free one now. But that's the email address to send us interesting things. Um, I feel like we could extend the offer to Christmas dinner if needed. Are you sure? Well, we need the Manscaped read again, you know? Yeah. When they're back. When they're back, because you know, they're you know, off and on week to week here. Um, I'm sure next week we'll have another, another fun Manscaped read. Unless we have them tomorrow. Let me see. Do we have them tomorrow? No, I think next week they'll be back. All right, man, do you want to get into uh, Monday Night Football? Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers 24, Indianapolis Colts 17. Jeff Saturday falls to 1-2 and two now as a head coach. That that pace for passing Don Shula. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. Yeah, he was once 1-0. He was undefeated just a couple weeks ago. But 24-17, to 17, Steelers moved to 4-7. and seven. The Colts fall to 4-7-1. and one, And... Some interesting things coming out of this game. Kenny Pickett graded really well. You want to discuss Kenny Pickett later, though. Well, we can, yeah, he will be part of our Explain the Grade uh, segment this week. So we'll explain Kenny Pickett's grade later. Well, we because, can mention him, you know, yeah. in this. The stats looked pedestrian, but, you know, he graded really well because he didn't miss a ton of throws, and he got let down by his receivers, essentially. Um, so we'll talk about Kenny Pickett a little bit later. Um, Steelers got up early. Colts made a comeback. Colts actually took the lead in the fourth quarter, 17 to 16, or late third quarter, 17 to 16. Um, Steelers with a go-ahead drive early fourth quarter. They get the two-point conversion, so they go up seven. And I think much of the discussion now is about the Colts and their comeback attempt and their clock management and not using their uh, their timeouts late during the comeback. Yeah. It was another example of a game where it shows how important success in the red zone or simply finishing off drives is. Like the first half, the Steelers annihilated the Colts, but they they kept settling for field goals, couldn't actually put up you know serious points. And then Indianapolis gets a big kick return to open the second half where they start with the ball. A couple of plays later, all of a sudden it's 16-10. You're like, what the hell? This, this game was a blowout a minute ago, except it never became a blowout on the scoreboard because Pittsburgh kept settling for field goals. Um, and then it takes you know a couple of plays and, and the game is back in the balance. And that... Like, that's how quickly it can go to hell if you don't capitalize on actually being able to succeed. Similar thing happened to the Colts, though, too, because when they started to actually find a groove offensively, they fumbled in the in the tight red zone, Jonathan Taylor. Which, remember, happened after um, the Steelers jumped off sides on right. a field goal attempt. So that was, like, they tried to turn three points into seven by screwing up, jumping offside, giving the Colts the ball again uh, with a new fresh set of downs. And then right in the low red zone, as, as they were about to score seven, they botched the exchange. Like, Jonathan Taylor just didn't get the, the handle on it. Turnover. <laughs> it's just such, like, two plays. You know, there's this wild difference between three points, seven points, and zero points when the other team has the ball. So couple. So the, the timeout situation here. So the Colts are down seven. They're driving. Uh, by the way, Matt Ryan, during this game, I think you – he was he he made some throws right he was okay you, you still see the the arm issues right i mean he oh, does kind of yeah. look like kellen moore back there right now it as far bad. as velocity goes and everything but they got the big man involved jelani woods who had 98 almost almost exactly half 
of Matt Ryan's receiving yards or yeah. passing yards went to Jelani Woods, right? 98, he had eight catches for 98 yards, 199 total passing yards for Matt Ryan. So they got Jelani Woods involved, throw it up to the big man, making some plays. So they found their groove on offense. But Ryan finally hit a deep ball to Michael Pittman. But other than that, it was a lot of underneath stuff. Yeah, it, it was interesting, the uh, split between Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox, who's been you know the veteran that's been there for ages. It's never really carved out this every down role um, in the offense. He's always been a sort of situational player or a second tight end, despite seemingly having the skill set to do it all. And then even, like, when you look at every kind of measure, Jelani Woods had, like, double the had double the playing time almost, um, 41 snaps to 22, way more of the passing snaps, was on the field on passing downs, like, basically three times as often, was Matt Ryan's go-to guy. Obviously, he has an insane physical profile, the size and speed. Um, there was one play where Matt Ryan, like, led him in to, like, a death shot from Levi Wallace, Levi, who's, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds type of deal, he bounced off him. Like, you know, Johnny Woods is sort of concentrating on the catch and the guy coming in from the blind side to nail him. Levi hits him and just ricochets off, like barely, looks like he barely felt it. Because, I mean, that's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those instances where it's just, it's just physics, you know? Like, Levi's 180 pounds, Johnny Woods is what, 250? Like, there's nothing you can do about that. You're giving up 70 pounds. Even if he's not paying attention, he's bringing, you know, a couple of plates of extra weight to the table. I would I would throw to Jelani Woods more often. That's sure. all I'm saying. I mean, the only things that were working for the Colts in this game were throwing it to Jelani Woods, and then, the, then like, Jonathan Taylor got some stuff going, but fumbled the ball away, which torpedoed is great. Yeah, both run games had a little bit of success for a couple teams that have struggled basically up front the entire season but Benny Snell had a good little run there after Najee Harris went down he's got an abdomen injury doesn't sound like it's too serious but uh, something to keep an eye on Anthony McFarland in there not Booger goes in Booger and, Jr. Uh, Bo- Book Jr. Book Jr. There you go. The um he, the, he ran well as well. The Colts offensive line resurgence does appear to be for real because this was a game where it felt like okay that could come crashing down to earth to like this game and um, right tackle Braden Smith pretty much held T.J. Watt completely quiet. He did. Um, the rest of the offensive line was good as well. Bernard Ryman had a really good grade at left tackle. Like this is Colts fans are going to. So Ryman's worst pass blocks was came the fourth and three when right at the, the lost end. the game. Yeah. It was the most important play. Right. There was a strip sack in there. There was the fourth and three where he lost. Those were his two losses though. Right. Basically, <laughs> Ryman was fantastic until basically two of the most it's important true. plays. It really is. He uh, had but that two, was his best game. He had two losses in the game. They were the sack and the hurry that blew the fourth and three play at the end of the game that lost them the game. I mean, it's you can't time it worse than that. But yeah. but overall, when you consider he was pass blocking forty one snaps. Um, and his run blocking was really good as well. Like, he looked good. Uh, I would say that, like, next week he's up against Michael Parsons, right? So he might not look good next week. But but generally, that, like, that offensive line, I think, ranked as low as maybe it hit the bottom of the rankings, 32. Certainly hit 31. And the last few weeks, literally since Jeff Saturday arrived, the offensive line has looked different. Now, maybe that's coincidental, but it's whatever it is, it's significant. Um, so let's get to that end of the game sequence, right? So the, the Colts are driving down. Um, <laughs> Troy Aikman was, like, disgusted with their offense the entire the entire time. And as he's... pretty disgusting. It was disgusting. As he's saying that, he's like, well, you know, they're starting at their seven-yard line. They need to 
find a chunk play here at middle of the play. Rainbow as to, to yeah. Michael Pittman. He throws it up to Michael Pittman. Great strong hands so that not completely flipping the field, but they, they needed that chunk <laughs> by, play. By the way, contrast uh, that play with the Josh Allen play to Stephon Diggs. It's like, okay, it's not exactly the same, but like Josh Allen fires his 40-yard like bullet to Diggs, splitting, you know, coverage and, and making a couple of guys in the secondary look ridiculous because of the just the r- absurd um, numbers involved in that velocity. And then you got Matt Ryan, who's got like the open play and just sort of gently lofts this rainbow somewhere into the middle of the group. And Michael Pittman goes up, makes a play anyway. It's just... The idea that that is sort of functionally the same play from the quarterback is insane. Football's a funny game, man. So uh, <clears throat> so they started from the seven, the Colts. They get to the the 35. <laughs> and they started with the seven with like... It was a 28-yard like, play. It felt like a bigger play. Yeah. But it was big. They started with the seven with like almost four minutes left on the clock. Right. So, so when you start this drive, time really isn't a factor. You've got four minutes to go the length of the field and score. And the first play you get is a chunk play so to start with you can at least understand why jeff saturday is not immediately thinking you know clock management timeouts blah 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 he's like no we got plenty of time we're good now so so it's a good point i mean that's the point that i did want to make though right is every football game is completely different right and that's what i'm not saying experience is always the thing because we saw the bucks and todd bowles who has plenty of experience as a head coach now um completely you know, what would you say? Make a balls of? Sure. The late clock management in the fourth quarter and in overtime, everything. How does that sound so wrong? <laughs> because I did it purposely, awkwardly. Yeah. Right? Somebody was very disgusted by your lack of uh, soccer knowledge. I think yeah, that's he, in the email. We got he to. sent an email and said, I'm disgusted by Steve's lack of football knowledge. And I was like, insulted for a minute. I'm like, what do you mean? My picks are unimpeachable. Yeah. Wait. I mean, my picks are one thing, but my football knowledge. By the way, you, you, the fading you picked up a couple of games over the uh, the best picker being tracked at the moment. So if you're good. still if you're still hitting the opposite of what Steve's doing, you are coining it this year. The fade Steve model. Yeah, the, the fade Steve model is the best against the spread model in football this year by nine games. All right, let's get back to the game. So at the two minute <laughs> warning, the the Colts have the ball at the Steelers thirty seven. They have all three timeouts. Yeah, so we're still in a good situation yeah. time wise. And so you're not you're not pressed for time whatsoever because you have your timeouts, and you don't have to use one all the time. But there's two. But there's back to back plays with a running clock, right? There's a four yard pass to Michael Pittman. You're not you're in no obligation to use your timeout there. That's fine. Right. You run your next play with a minute thirty five, and then Matt Ryan gets sacked. That's the the strip sack. The the Colts recover. Mm-hmm. Now time becomes an issue because that you don't run your next play till about a minute left, right? You're scrambling. It's a fumble. You're trying to get your what is it, second and seventeen play together, and yeah, so that's an issue. Time becomes an issue there. So then use a timeout there. Then Matt Ryan scrambles for fourteen, and they still don't use a timeout. The poor guy, he's galloping for fourteen. He's got to you know get back to the line and set everything up. And the receivers, I mean, part of it too is the receivers just ran routes on two straight. Uh, plays yeah. and just to regroup and get them you know there's there's a lot to it so then the Colts don't run another play till 34 seconds left and they run it on third and three they run it so they're saying okay we're still going to keep the clock moving they get stuffed and it goes to a fourth and three that's when they finally call a timeout with 30 seconds left yeah so, so they call a timeout after that run that went nowhere the run so they finally stuff. called their first timeout they fail on the fourth and three and they go 
they end the game with with two uh, two timeouts left. Yeah, um, I think uh, Jeff Saturday finally admitted after the uh, the next day. Yes, after initially sort of defending it. Yeah, not defending it, but sort of saying. He said a lot of things that didn't really answer anything when he was asked about it initially. You know, just kind of waffled about what his thought process was. And then <laughs> apparently read, read which way the wind was blowing later and was like, yes, I would have called a timeout on reflection. So, but that's, that's like the point that I want to make here, right? Upon reflection, when you have more time, you could sit down. Of course. We know. I mean, um, time management is almost always easy sitting on your ass from the couch. Like yeah. there's a, Andy Reid is one of the smartest football minds that's ever existed in the game, right? And Andy Reid is a terrible clock manager, judged by the standard of the 31 other guys that do this for a living, you know, on Sundays, as opposed to from us. So the fact that one of the smartest football guys in NFL history is consistently bad at this suggests that it's not as easy as you think it is sitting from the ca- you know sitting on your couch. So I'm not I'm not in the I'm not in the building, so I don't want to completely project something that might not be true but all i'm saying is the best coaches put that time in jeff saturday hasn't really had the time right i mean he's still probably coach saturday please why are they calling him coach saturday it's just jeff saturday i mean it's like that i know you're a big billionaire guy you you got to refer to all the billionaires as as mr Mr. Mm -hmm. they're just another human being that happened to have a lot of money no no that's mr it's robert Kraft. do you have enough do you have this level of money if not it's mr who cares I care. I, I made the billions. Acknowledge it, please. Okay, Mr. Monson. Mm-hmm. There you go. Doctor. No, Doctor Monson. Mr. So the co- coaches have to spend as much time understanding clock management or have people in the building. And I know the Colts have the people in the building. I know who the people in the building are that work on this stuff. Wow. Right? I mean, they work on it. But so then it becomes a communication aspect. You have to practice the communication aspect of it. You're right. Like when you start the drive, and I think this is where there's a disconnect sometimes. When you start the drive, you're not anticipating, well, what happens when it gets to two minutes and I got my three timeouts? But there's still a two-minute warning in there where you have a two-minute commercial well, break the, to but, talk about this so stuff. That's the other element, right, is that the two-minute warning came after that third and six play where they picked up three, so now they're facing fourth and three. So the two-minute warning for them is all about fourth and three. Convert the four. What's the fourth, play yeah. we're running? You know, How do we pick up the next three yards? You, like, you're right. Normally, the two-minute warning would be the perfect time to sort of go, okay, guys, this time wasn't relevant at the start of this drive. It's starting to become relevant. Like, let's let's quickly game out what the two minutes looks like when we take in the timeouts, blah, blah, blah. This, the two-minute warning in this situation is all about fourth and three. But the, but that's where it's the coach's job has to – you have to be three steps ahead. Yeah, I mean – You sure. have to be ahead of it, right? Like but you, you, can, can't, yeah. you can't wake up on Christmas Eve and be like, oh, Christmas tomorrow, i got to do my Christmas shopping, right. right? You anticipate these things. You know when it falls on the calendar. Just It's the same thing with a two-minute situation. You know if I convert the fourth down, okay, now what happens? You yeah. have to be steps well, ahead. I'm just saying you can see why this one got away from them. Um, I will say, though, that independent of that and the fact that you sort of didn't – fit. The, the sack, the strip sack, fumble, et cetera, too many things were like automatic elements of a timeout after that for it, for it to even be a problem. Like, you remember we, so the strip sack, it's chaos. There's somebody lying on the floor for 10 seconds until they figure out what's going on. You've got to hustle, like all of that stuff together. It would immediately be like automatic yeah. timeout situation. The other thing, you know, remember, I forget where it came up, but somebody was saying, um, you know, like basketball, where you call a timeout to kill the momentum. You can't really do that in football. Yeah. Well, you can when there's 90 seconds left and you have all three timeouts and you're sort of in that situation anyway. Like, this is the one occasion 
where you can call a timeout, kill momentum, settle the crowd down, quiet everything up again, and re-go. So that's a good like, point. There are so right. many elements of this where that specific play, the, the strip sack on first down from the 33 with a minute and a half left, like that is an obvious timeout. That's a good point you make too because when it's second and 17, you, you also want to make sure you have a good play. When it's third and three, you want to make sure you have a good play, right? So, I mean, that's part of, of the timeout sequence too. So here's the thing. I think the bottom line is it's easy to say he's unprepared or he wasn't – He's a rookie, rookie mistakes. I mean, vet, as I mentioned, Todd Bowles, veteran coaches make these mistakes all the time, right? Sure. And it, and, and but I, but I think in Saturday's case, remember what we were talking about Nathaniel Hackett earlier this year, and I said the, the game moves fast, man. It moves fast. Yeah. Another when you're on the sideline. Another big difference between you know the Todd Bowles, the Andy Reeds, and the the coach Saturdays is, to the best of my knowledge, there aren't tweets out there from Andy Reid and, and Todd Bowles saying, well, we're going to have to talk about clock management on Monday. Well, here we go again. That's just funny. And now from the other side of it, you're like, yeah, damn it. <laughs> I mean, that'll be me when I'm a GM and I, I draft B. John Robinson in the first oh, no, round. The second you're a GM, yeah. you're in purging the Twitter account. Like, that's, that's the first it. thing to happen. You need someone to purge for you. Here's my password. Mm-hmm. Delete all tweets. Yeah, there's programs out there, you know, that'll go through and do it for you. You just get rid of it. Delete the thing for Frank, frankly. Delete this, uh, every criticism that I have. Of anything. I mean, he backed up the, the Raiders are bad one. Beat True. the Raiders. Right. Backed that no, up. No, no, it can work in your favor. So, yeah, it's, um, it wasn't good. Um, but, you know, he took, he took responsibility for it and all that stuff. I, I just think it shows, again, every football game is different. It is so tough. Think about how much practice time teams have. And they usually you allot a little bit of time to like, all right, late game scenarios, right? You can't you can't literally practice every late game scenario. But you have people in the building that can think about that stuff, people in the building who know it and own it, and that's where the communication comes in. But you have to but but you have to put a lot of time into it. Think about how much time. Remember how much time do teams put into the draft? Right? You have to study 500 players and know their backgrounds and scouting reports and there's all this resource deployed to have making six to ten picks of players which are a big part of winning and losing every single week but how big of a part is clock management to winning every single week can do you put that same type of time into uh situational football type stuff so i'm not saying they don't i'm just saying we see how how important it is yeah i think it also shows you know how difficult all that is on the fly when you're coaching a game versus watching a game sitting in your couch you know oh, everybody, man, I, everybody jeff and i nailed i mean jeff was great at this when he right. was on his couch everybody including coach saturday uh is all about monday morning quarterbacking from the couch and be like how did you screw that up this was easy let's let's talk about it for 10 minutes on espn this morning and then the second you're the dude with the headset on the sideline and you don't have you know for a start, you don't have the score widget in the top left of your vision the entire time, right? You have to look around for the stadium and the clock and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's different, you know? And there's a reason that people screw this up every single week. It's not because they're all morons. It's because it's harder on the sideline than it is sitting in your couch. When we reviewed the Bucks game the other day, we didn't have Todd Bowles' quote. Did you see his quote on why no. he didn't go for it late? Oh, no. So they had about 40 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah, he said because yeah. Tom Brady might have thrown an interception. Yeah. And then you let him throw the next play when I mean, it was we, a harder situation. Right. Well, what the, what the hell is that? Also, it's Tom Brady. He's one of the most interception-averse quarterbacks in the history of the game, not to mention the best quarterback in the history of the game. That's like that dumbass quote from generations ago that, like, when you throw the ball, three things can happen, two of them are bad. 
like we've grown beyond that. Like, that no. quote's terrible, by the way. Of course it's terrible. It's ridiculous. It belongs where it came from back in the dark ages of football. Like, that's an absurd logic for not calling a timeout. It's absolutely ridiculous. Just want to get you a little fired up. Thank you. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. It's my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Take the opposite. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe my maybe parlays are my strength here, Sam. Yeah. Maybe that's where I should focus. I can go to DraftKings, the Sportsbook app, and place the same game parlay, combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. Maybe if I combine it all, that's where I shine. What if you're, what if you're just as potent taking the opposite of your parlays? Like if you, yeah. whatever, if we figure out a way of harnessing your ability to get everything wrong and combine that into a parlay, you make millions. Yeah, so we need our listeners to have a keen ear to what I say and then do the opposite over at DraftKings. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk Kenny Pickett a little bit later because um, he did some nice stuff. George Pickens looked good. Had another one of those spectacular back shoulder type catches. Also, you know, just missed one too. You're now referring to him as, as essentially Brandon Lloyd. He only makes spectacular catches and, and yeah, not I mean, easy I, ones. Look, I've been wrong a lot here, calendar year 2022. <laughs> but my Brandon Lloyd comp for George Pickens is one of my – it feels as good as any comp I've ever made. I still think it's a little harsh. Harsh on Pickens? Yeah. I mean, Lloyd was really good. For like five minutes. I mean, it depends on what you want to say for comps, right? I mean, again, are comps stylistic? I mean, comps like this is the type of career that he's going to have. I'm saying stylistically. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities to peak Brandon Lloyd and what Pickens can do. But the the point you're making is that like he only makes spectacular catches and therefore doesn't make the simple ones, which I admit is happening quite a bit at the moment. But I don't. I'm not saying he's not. It, It does feel like though, all we're seeing is the spectacular because he's not separating all that well. Right? I don't think he's separating badly, though. That was another thing. Is that Brandon Lloyd was never exactly great at being open. Yeah. Well, I don't think Pickens is right now either. Wow. Fine. All right. There's your Monday Night Football review. Yeah. There we go. Want to get to some emails? Yeah. Uh, this is a good email because it's it's multi-pronged. It's got a lot of, a lot of stuff in it. Uh, this one is from Joe Surfer, dude, apparently. Uh Hi guys, love the show. As a six foot three surfer from San Diego, married to a six foot Texan wife, who is a former naval officer, I have to say I commiserate with Steve. Thank you. It's a lot of projection. I mean, there's a lot of difference between six foot three and you know you. However, uh, Ireland was easily the best part of the British Isles. My wife and I loved uh, the Tullymore Forest, Dublin Jameson Distillery, and surfing in Bundoran. By the way, y'all is the correct Texan phrase, but my wife says you have to put the emphasis on the Y like a long U. Phonetically, it's like you all with a deep throat U before an emphasized Y right before all. I know this because my wife is from East Texas near Shreveport, Louisiana, and told me to tell Steve that's how to say it. First, noted. I want to ask Sam if Ireland has a y'all saying. For me, it's you guys, since I'm from Southern California, in the upper Midwest, Chicago, et cetera, it's you guys, which is odd. I think that's, I think that's big city. 
New that York. Sounds like use guys mobster. Yeah, yeah, use guys for the Northeast. That's how my family would. I say have it. heard you all a lot, but maybe Steve has heard something else. Uh, well, Ireland, there's like there's a word for this in English. It's just the plural you. It doesn't. You don't have to change it. There's you individual, and there's you plural. Just use you plural when you're talking about a plurality of people. Uh, if you go outside of Dublin in Ireland, you, you know, what some people might affectionately call culchies or boggers, um, they will use ye. Oh. But no. You, pluralizing you is uncomfortable, so people Why? do want to add something else to it. It's kind of like you guys pluralize a team, right? You'd say, like, the Raiders... Why is it uncomfortable? It's literally grammatically how the language works. You pluralize a team, but the team's singular. So what we're used to the team, when you say the Raiders, we use singular verbs. You guys use plural verbs, and so it sounds weird to us. Pluralizing you sounds... It's uncomfortable to us. We want to add a word to it. Look, you guys, use guys, y'all. Over there's Y'all. How do we do it? What was she saying? <laughs> Over there is a moose. Over there are some moose. Just, it's, it's the same word, it's just plural. Yeah, it works that way. Right, use it. Carry on. Okay. Uh, as a charity idea, my wife and I, as giants, again, six foot, not really, would love to see Steve Palazzolo use things that are way too small for him. <laughs> for us, this was anywhere. His wife is more of a giant than him, though. Yes. Right? Like a six, six foot, foot woman, woman is dramatically more freaky more than a More above average three. than a six yes. three. Man. For us, this was anywhere in the UK. Needless to say, we hit our heads constantly on mm. so many short doorways. That, again, feels more like a you problem than a, like... I don't know. And in, the, in the British Isles... There's a lot of small stuff. Some, I mean, there are things... Y'all have some small doorways. There are guys. some, like, buildings from the 1500s where I have to think about head height. But, like, I, I do. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard. Uh, Steve could drive a small, uh, smart car, like, like, uh, like Hightower from... Uh, from police academy <laughs> just rip the seats out sit in the back i might have some footage from our uh, bmw trip <laughs> bend and snap uh wear one of sam's shirts sleep in a small race car bed or have steve walk down the street and see how many people say man you're tall it is quite a lot uh, right just hanging out with me you realize there's one to three per day there's a lot of people that simply come up and start talking to you just because of your size just because for no reason other than that yep it's yeah, it's weird. Grocery store, they ask me to get things on the high shelf. I mean, that happens time. to, again, normal people as well. Like, because yeah. there's a lot of people that are very small, you know? Like, a lot can of you reach who... that thing on the shelf for me? Sure. I don't understand why people feel like it's their business to discuss my basketball <laughs> career or lack thereof. <laughs> well, Do you like, play basketball? It's none of your business if I play or played and how well I well, played. Because otherwise, you have to go somewhere with the conversation. Otherwise, it's just, wow, you're tall. And then, yeah. See ya. You know, you gotta, there's got to be something else. My all-time favorite is still the guy in the line at the bank who did who just surpassed all that stuff, and he was about five foot seven, and he claimed he could dunk on me. Wow! Well, he just jumped right to it. I dunk all over you. I mean, if he was that guy, fifty-five-year-old, five foot seven man. If he was that guy from the Y, he might have been able to. That's true. Um, anyway, onto the actual question. I wanted to ask if you guys have actually reviewed the Trey Lance trade since almost all of the picks have now been made. Since the trade, the 49ers have got four starts out of 37 total games, including the playoffs, from Trey Lance. He has a 53 PFF grade in those starts. Uh, with the picks they traded, other teams have received. Dolphins have got wide receiver Jalen Waddell, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, and linebacker Channing Tindall. The Cowboys have gotten edge rusher Micah Parsons. Wow. The Chiefs, via the Dolphins, have gotten cornerback Trent McDuffie. 
whilst the 49ers have lost cornerback Jason Verrett to a season-ending injury, the Patriots, via the Chiefs, have gotten guard Cole Strange. Uh, not such a good pick so far. Oh, actually, he's, he's been okay. I mean, it seems clear to me that the 49ers majorly lost this trade and also lost 40% of Trey Lance's rookie contract with his third year coming off major ankle surgery. Isn't this one of the worst trades in history value-wise for the 49ers? Sincerely, Joe Surfer, dude. All right, very thoughtful email. It is. Good yeah. email. Went through a lot of different things there. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's fair to evaluate a trade based off the actual picks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you can... In hindsight, it's like, sure, I would have done that. If I was the 49ers, what I would have done is simply kept Jimmy Garoppolo and then just drafted Jalen Waddell and traded for Tyree Kill and grabbed Channing Tindall, and that's what I would have done. Maybe just grab Micah Parsons instead. Yeah. That's what I would have done, right? But we don't have that information at the time, so it's not really fair. Well, what it does is represent the best-case scenario. That's you know? a good point. It it's does. like this is, the, this is possible with those picks. So, so the inverse of that, right, is the Raiders trade. Trading Khalil Mack yeah. for three first round. Like picks. this is also possible, the absolute disaster that it turns into. Yeah, and, and so that's but but I think if you're evaluating the process for say the Raiders trading Khalil Mack and getting three first round picks, I think the process was sound. Now they have a separate process, which is their player evaluation process and who they value as first rounders. And when you value the number five edge defender in the class at number four, when you value a running back and you value a box safety, that's a different process that's poor. But the trade itself was probably fine. Why'd you delete this? I like to have in the... Uh, you want to have the thing in the thing. I'm trying to... All the information. Control-Z that thing. <sighs> Are you on? There you go. It's back. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of really good players that changed hands. I mean, as of right now, it is catastrophic for the 49ers for multiple reasons. One, because of that was what you could have had. You know, look what, what you could have had instead. Ah, damn it. But also because they haven't gotten anything from Trey Lance the, yet. Like, that's the bigger problem. It's... It's like generally with quarterbacks. If you get it right, nothing you gave up matters, you know, almost across the board, whether it's the monster trade, whether it's the contract. Like, if you nail the pick, there's almost no amount of cost that it offsets, you know? We the still problem don't is really, if you don't. And we still don't really know yet, right? There's two more years of sure, but that, rookie but, contract Trey Lance. Yes, but that is the problem as of right now is that it doesn't look like they got it right. And that's the problem, not what they could have had instead. It's like, you know, Russell Wilson in Denver, right? The problem is, it looks like he screwed it up. If Russell Wilson in Denver was working great and we were, you yeah. know, that he was as good as he'd been prime Seattle years, nobody would give a crap that they gave up Drew Locke and Shelby Harris and a couple other, and Noah Fant, you know, guys who are like, certainly Noah Fant and Drew Locke who aren't featuring effectively for the Seahawks. And right now the number four overall plus, pick. Yeah, plus some picks. Um, and the contract, like nobody would care because it was worth it. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't be the number four. It wouldn't pick, be four, right. But you know what I mean? The, the problem is you got it wrong. The problem is not what it costs. It's like that's just, that's then used as a stick to beat you with once you screw it up. Yeah, I think we're at... I think the difference there, though, is with the Broncos, there were there were some warning signs with Russell Wilson. Sure. That maybe you didn't want to make that trade and make the big-time investment in him. But, but you can also make the same, like, you know, Trey Lance barely played football. Oh, yeah, career. yeah. There were, had but like do we know pass attempts or whatever. The fact that Trey Lance didn't win the job as a rookie over Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy that you spent all these picks to replace, is that part of the failure, right? Did they expect Trey Lance to come in 
and take over right away. And then he didn't, so they roll with Garoppolo. They go to the NFC Championship. Okay, now it's Trey Lance's time, and he gets hurt in week one, Mm -hmm. and that's week two. And that's unfortunate, but we still don't really know what he is, right? If they get two more rookie contract years out of him, and he's good, that can salvage this whole thing because then you successfully transition from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. If he comes in next year and looks incredible like if he comes in next year and is dominant the the run game stuff that he brings is amazing and as a passer he's pretty good all of a sudden this goes away and you're like okay yeah it would have been would have been great to have all those guys that we could have had with these picks on the other hand we got our franchise quarterback we're Super Bowl contenders for the next several years we're good you know it the problem is that right now they've got nothing and they're burning time waiting for it so here's the um it's just so fascinating to me Kyle Shanahan's run with the 49ers because you have when he has his starting quarterback yeah. they win like 70% of their games Jimmy G has the same starting record over their first I think it was 59 or something stupid um, over their first 59 games as Steve Young Steve Young who remember walked on to like this already dominant juggernaut uh, like a uh, dynasty team off the back of Joe Montana, like finally got given the job, was now sitting at the helm of an unstoppable juggernaut, had the same first 59 win-loss record as Jimmy G. So so on one hand, when you're evaluating Kyle Shanahan, you could say when he has his starting quarterback, the guy that they hand-picked, he wins 70% of his games, whatever Mm -hmm. that number is. When he has his backups, it's C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer, remember, for a while was yeah. starting. And Nick Mullins. When he has his backups, they win like 20% of their games. Yep. So when you look at the totality of Kyle Shanahan's record, it's like, was he good in San Francisco? Well, it depends on which way you view it. When he has his starting quarterback, not only do they win 70% of their games, but they at least go to the NFC Championship. Right? With Jimmy Garoppolo, that's what they do. Or, or then they went to the Super Bowl. But they also went and decided... We want to get better. We want to be aggressive and, and, and get better. And I don't hate that as a process, but I also don't know if Trey Lance is going to be an upgrade for whatever reason. Garoppolo, he fits that scheme great. His production never matches his PFF grade, but the production is more than good enough. That's where the, the Kyle Shanahan factor comes in. And maybe you could say, why couldn't Kyle do it with Mullins and Beathard and all those guys? I don't know, but he does it with Garoppolo, and it works. Mm-hmm. And and the Niners still wanted to move on and and try to really hit a grand slam instead of a home run. Yep. And we just don't know if it's going to work yet. All right, next email. Uh, this one is from David from Germany. Uh, Hi, Sam and Steve. As a Broncos fan, this year has gone from elation in the preseason, yay, we finally have a quarterback, to absolute devastation. Our quarterback has forgotten how to play. We have him on a quarter of a billion-dollar contract, and we have no draft picks on top of having the worst head coach in the league. As you've said repeatedly, nobody saw this coming and nobody understands the drop-off that happened in Russell Wilson's play. Hearing all the weird stories that, that have come out about Russell Wilson, the thing that struck me most is that he apparently has decided that the ultimate cheat code to getting better is just sleep as little as possible because it gives him more time during the day to work out, practice, watch film. Wait a second, wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that a fake? That was a fake thing that was going around, wasn't it? I mean, look, there was some quote about how he only, you know, this is also a guy that whilst everybody on the plane was napping, was doing high knees in the aisle. I I think it's plausible. And but that's why the fake quotes about him only going to the bathroom one day a week or whatever (laughs) to save time. The fake ones sounded plausible. Yeah, but were fake. I don't think there was one about his sleep, though. There was definitely one about he, he was trying to train himself not to take a crap. And had taken like for time management purposes, though. But I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Okay, carry on. 
as weird as quarterbacks can be when it comes to their health, think Tom Brady and strawberries, the one thing where pretty much everybody except Russell agrees is that sleep is important and the body, and especially mine, need rest in order to function properly. Seeing how many mental errors Russell Wilson makes and how he sometimes just seems to freeze on the field for a second and miss wide open receivers, I can't help but think that he's gone literally insane from sleep deprivation. I would love to find out when the too little sleep phase started and if it's correlated with his decline. To me, it would make perfect sense. And if I was the GM, I would basically shut down Russell Wilson until he slept for more than seven hours for at least three consecutive nights and force him to wear a wristband that documents his sleep because it would be an easy fix. Uh, curious to know what you guys think and if you can find out anything about it, if it holds any water. So you can, you know, ask your sources behind the scenes if there's any truth to the Russell Wilson not sleeping thing. I, I mean, maybe that was think maybe, this would be amazing if it was true. Maybe that's the whole thing. That's why the Seahawks didn't trust him. We know Russ is a four-hour-a-night sleeper. Man hasn't slept. We, there's no way we can let him drop back 50 times Hasn't in had game. a solid night's sleep for four years. He's, he's about on his he last He can legs. only process deep routes off of play action because he's half asleep all the time. He's, yeah. he's, he's overtired. Uh-huh. I mean, I just know my kids, when they're overtired, disastrous. Yep. You know? Um, so I think there's a lot of, I don't know. I don't know how much of everything we hear about <laughs> Russell Wilson is true. Um, however, it is relevant right here. Our friend of the show, Mike Kliss, have you seen uh, the latest? No. What's the latest, Mike? Did it drop? From Mike Kliss. There's been some gossip around uh, about Russell Wilson standing in the locker room. Okay. Here's some context. Uh-huh. This is great. Per source, Wilson's wife, Ciara. Kira. Okay. Ciara. Yeah. It's, a, it's an Irish name. You can't take it Kira. and just mispronounce it. And Kira. expect everybody to be cool with that. Kira. Yeah. She threw him a birthday party last night. And it looked like, this quote, it looked like about half the team was there uh-huh. on a player's day off. Why do people have to be so hurtful? Question mark. Hashtag nine sports per Mike Kliss. Of course, that also means that half the team weren't there on their day off. That was one of the first responses here. Yeah. So that was, uh... I don't know what the standard distribution is for that kind of thing. Like... What percentage of the team would you expect to show up to a quarterback's Who was, birthday? On uh, day was off? it Josh Rosen coming out that the the rumor was that he threw a birthday party that no teammates went to? <laughs> right. So we've got this standard of it's zero, okay, or it's fifty percent, or let's just say Tom Brady, who all of his teammates seem to love. If Tom Brady throws a birthday party, yeah. probably I mean, it's probably going to be pretty lavish. Like, people would. are going to. That's true. This, People are see, that's go. the other thing, right? Is there's also there's ancillary parts of this. Like how much, like, you know, if I go to this party, am I going to get like a, a goodie bag? You know, because if it's if it's a goodie bag from the quarterback, oh, it's like with a Rolex or something. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Whereas if it's like the third string outside linebacker, like yeah, I'm like, what's in it for me? Okay, so what other? See if you can think of any other information we know about players' parties. We have the remember the the. The Patriots actually, they let Belichick get mic'd up for a whole season. He yeah. got invited to the Halloween party right. with Randy Moss. Belichick went to the Halloween party thrown by Randy Moss. Like I would also need went. to know what's the drink situation that's relevant. Yeah. Is there booze at this party or is this a dry teetotal thing? Because that's going to turn off a bunch of people. Were the 50% of the people only offensive players and the defense stayed home? Or the other way. <laughs> Was it only The only people that gave him the time of day are the defense who don't have to sit in a meeting room with him. And the defense is like, hey, we're just going to get our free stuff and uh, bounce. I mean, <laughs> How long did these people stay? That's another That's factor. A, that is a factor. Um, I don't know how you would... Okay. There's a... Uh, 
you know who Greg Maddox is? Yeah. Like one of the best pitchers of all time. Mm -hmm. There are there is some insane Greg Maddox stories that were, you know, going around you know, baseball clubhouses and all that stuff through the years. Add one to the tally. Let's just say hypothetically, he went to his teammate's party yeah. and may have uh, defecated on the wall hmm. and uh, smeared it a little bit as a practical joke. Sure. How would you interpret his relationship with the with the player that he went to the party, whose party he went to? <laughs> Who is that? I don't know if that happened because that's like positive for attendance at the party. However, there's a bad practical joke at the end of it. What if Greg Maddox was at this party doing that? Who was the Who was the Green Bay running back that crapped in somebody's hamper in a party one time? Yeah, yeah. See, the, 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 what's that guy's name? Najee something, right? Davenport. Yes, Najee Davenport. Najee Davenport. Didn't he take a dump at somebody's hamper in a party? I don't know. I don't know if these are old wives' tales or you know what. But I love. Let's let's spread well, these. The beauty about that one is it's if it's whether it's true or apocryphal, it's so well known that we can't get sued for it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Just, it's not defamation, whatever it is. We're just passing on. It's, it might be defecation, but it's no not defamation. I don't know how many of these like these Maddox stories are hilarious, and I don't know how many are true or how many are. Uh... Can't believe you just let that wordplay pass without recognition. That was amazing. Do it again. It, it's not defamation, but it might be defecation. No, yeah, that's nothing. Good. No, that's good. That's really good. You are you're a wordsmith over there. <laughs> so um, back to the so the the other thing about the sleep thing. Yeah, we've said this before. Remember when they showed Cam Newton's schedule? Yeah, which looks ridiculous. Yes, it was like I'm up at 4 a.m. and it's like, dude, you just played a Sunday night football game. Why would you be able to just sleep in? There's like one time? there's a whole bunch of people that treat sleep is like a weakness right and and like like the email says almost everybody universally accepts that sleep is actually a really important thing you need a lot more of it than people want to admit and yet the world is full of these people that supposedly get three hours of sleep a night and then grind right like the rock or whatever is one of those guys that's only supposed to sleep four hours a night maggie thatcher only slept like a couple hours a night and then just got cracking on with like stomping out the miners and in, in wales or whatever right but I was listening to somewhere from one of these sleep expert people was saying like the number of people that can genuinely function over a period of time on less than six hours a night is like a minuscule fraction. It's not like, you know, one in every hundred people or whatever. It's like zero, 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 three percent. You know, it's it's like so essentially everybody that's making out like they do that is lying their ass off. Right. Like the rock is probably out there getting 12 hours a night and then like auto, like setting the timer for 4 a.m. for the gym workout Instagram video, you know, <laughs> I, like I wonder if because that yeah. like is is there anything more rust than that? Like actually Russ is there getting getting 10 oh, hours a absolutely. night. But, absolutely. But the, but the Instagram, the guy running the Instagram thing is posting like workout videos every every day at five in the morning. Yeah, I could see that happening. Sleep is crucial. You should be sleeping. If Russ is overtired, maybe sleeping in will get him back. To Alternatively, there are people who just think that's what you should do, right? No, the Rock's a, out here doing I it, so I got to grind. As a professional athlete, sleep is part of your job. It doesn't mean it's eight hours. doesn't mean it's you know, it's whatever it is that is best for you. Six and a half. Like they're talking about six and a half being good, nine, like whatever it is. Sleep, consistency, it is part of your job to sleep and be of proper mind. We have the crack research staff in our chat. Benjamin Jones says, as per Bleacher Report, Greg Camarillo claims that Chad Pennington had a house party, very specifically on June 4th, 2009. House party, okay. different from a birthday party. Sure. Which was attended by the entire team. Yes. Chad Pennington equals the GOAT. Everybody loved Chad. 
So I think we have a standard. There's at least a quarterback out there that's had the entire team attend. Right. There might be a quarterback in college who had zero of the team <laughs> attend, and he's been a bust in Josh that's Rosen. True. And the fact that Russ falls somewhere in between, yeah. I think is more negative than positive. Falls somewhere in between now. Who knows what it would have looked like 2013. Oh, I bet, I bet rookie Russ was having everybody over there. That's what I'm saying. You know? But without the goodie bags. Sure. Or at least crappy goodie bags. Crappy bags. That's what we do here on the Wednesday show. Yeah. No, so, you know, there's a certain degree to which the Wednesday show <laughs> may cover less hard-hitting topics than the uh, Monday or the Thursday show. I'll tell you what it will cover, though, is Symbol. You guys have heard me talk about them before, but our sponsor, Symbol, has their best offer yet for new users. Symbol is offering a $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you sign up with the code FOOTBALL, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you're hesitant on joining or simply haven't joined yet, now you can with this risk-free deposit. As a reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of sports betting and turned it into the stock market to give fans a new way to speculate on your favorite pro and college teams. And now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. So download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store. Use the code FOOTBALL to get your risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in an up-and-coming team, like uh, maybe the Jaguars at four and seven. Maybe this is it. They're turning it around. Or the Lions turning it around. Or the top dogs like the Chiefs or the Eagles. Symbol lets you buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge. So go check it out. Do we have one more email here? Yeah. Uh, it's a simple one that's not quite explain the gray, but the same kind of idea. Um, we've had this a little bit before, but I think this is a good simple one. So... Tristan McRae asks, uh, kind of a specific explain the great question, but I'm wondering how Josh Allen's rushing touchdown against Detroit was graded. He fumbled the snap, which makes me think it could have been a turnover-worthy play, but it also feels weird to give that play a negative grade because he then obviously picks it up and rushes for a touchdown. In general, is it possible to have a turnover-worthy play that also gets a positive grade? Essentially, how do we deal with plays like that? Um, I like this because I think this is a simple explanation and, you know, we can actually give it. Simple answer is we compartmentalize the yes. play. Yeah, so we can, give, we, can give those, we can give the negative grade and then the positive play yeah. after that as well. Um, I just want to confirm. Now, every, not every botched snap is on the quarterback. I right. think sometimes you could see that it's uh, the center or he snaps it early or he snaps it into his buttocks or whatever it might be. <laughs> the buttocks. Right? Um, that was not the case on this play. Right. Where was this run? Q2? No. Just trying to look for it mm. really quick. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Great, Doing a great job here. Doing um, a great job. But that's like that's the, the long and the short of it is, is the grading system allows us to compartmentalize the grade within a specific play. So you can give the positive, you can give the negative, and then the output will be the net of the two. You know, So you can credit a guy for making a good play after making a Hames of the initial thing and vice versa. Like... You off the other way of of those plays is, you know, receiver right makes a play, catches the ball, picks up a first down, maybe makes a guy miss. We're we're in plus one territory. We're a really good play right now, and then he fumbles the ball away. He fumbles it. It's like is that a good play or is that a bad play? What's well, it's probably a net of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. So you got to give them. And so here's why. It might not even make sense to some people because because when you look at the play, the play ended in a touchdown. But we are, but we are not obligated. But we are, we feel obligated to grade both parts of it because his dropping of the snap 
we don't know where that ball is going to end up. Yeah. And he picked it up, so he gets he gets dinged for the drop. Yep. Credit for the recovery, mm-hmm. and then credit for you know juking the defense. Yep. And, and getting to the end zone. There you go. So. See, simple. All right, let's get to the actual. Explain the grade. Yeah, that. I did that queuing up the uh, explain the grade. That was a cue. Intro. Um, I'm sure PSF will have me a low grade for that, but uh, I'll keep it rolling. See, sometimes you just surprise the booth with that, and they're not ready at all. We were, uh, you had a week off on Wednesday last week. We didn't have an explain the grade last Wednesday. No, no, true. You know, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's a little rust everywhere here. I mean, look, it's like, it's like the Jeff Saturday thing, right? It's easy from your couch with the headphones in, right? It's harder when you're sitting in the booth. The, the show moves fast right when you're in the booth <laughs> the two and a half hour show really flies through um all right explain the grade apparently one of the most uh questioned um interested grades we had this week was on lamar jackson one passing touchdown fumbled the ball away on fourth and one that play i talked about where they tried to like jump over a couple of gaps on fourth and one as opposed to just you know sneak up the middle uh, and of course they lost the game to jacksonville but Lamar has a 90.9 PFF grade, the best quarterback grade of the week. Why? Well, I think we can start with failures from his receivers. We have them with five dropped passes, and then um, at least one of which is in the end zone. Probably two others. Two should be touchdowns. Um, so there's five actual drops. And then we don't – not every failed catch is a drop. We have all these different sure. – ways of distinguishing those things so we have another one where uh receiver lost control on the way to the ground and various things like that so lamar basically had a whole bunch of positive plays that just didn't show up in the stat sheet i didn't i haven't calculated like this first drop was deshaun jackson first quarter lamar rolls out it's it's a beautiful throw deshaun jackson's making a diving attempt not because it's out of reach but it's just that's it's a catchable ball right it should be and it should be a touchdown that that's on third and four ravens have to settle for a field goal obviously that's going to skew the stats lamar also had how many big was it three big time throws yep or two three so three big time throws one of which was as good as it gets right that deshaun jackson balls um there's another the other um one of the other drops as well it was really close it was josh oliver up the seam another one that probably should have been a touchdown I think when you slow it down, and this is what we do when we're going through the plays, when you slow it down, it looks like it's kind of off his fingertips, but, I mean, he gets both hands to it. And if you look at how Oliver jumps, jumps a little early. He mistimes it. When you look at the actual ball location on the pass, it's a good throw. I mean, Lamar, Lamar threw the ball as well as he has all year, and it just didn't always show up in the stat sheet here. Whereas other times, he throws easy passes and, you know, shovel. Other times, we've explained it the other way. Here's a shovel pass for a touchdown. Here's a wide open pass in the flat for a touchdown that went the other. This week, it was Lamar throws the ball well and doesn't get credit for it. Yeah, I think his completion percentage for the game was 50% exactly. Um, But the adjusted completion percentage, which gives him credit for the drops, et cetera, jumps it up to 72%. So really let down by receivers in that game, which the great credits. Here, officially, it's three drops. That should have been touchdowns. Okay. So it's Deshaun Jackson, Josh Five Oliver, total. and I think, uh, is this Mark Andrews? Yeah, and Andrews. Five drops in total, three that should have been touchdowns. Three that should have been touchdowns. So take Lamar's, take his stats now, and if you just give him those three passes, then he's got three more completions, four touchdowns, and no picks, and not, not that, you know, just to paint a picture here, if those were his stats, 
no one's questioning anything. Mm -hmm. So all, he has three passes that should have been caught in the end zone. Plus, he ran the ball well. He did have the bad fumble in there on the fourth down. Yep. But Which even that, like, well. it's on fourth and one, and he's short. He has to try and do something, you know, to make the play because the alternative is a turnover in the same spot anyway. So it's not, it's not the worst fumble you're ever going to see in the world from a quarterback. Um, the other player that people were asking about, Kenny Pickett, off that Monday night game. We said we'd get around to it. Kenny Pickett, uh, 20 of 28 for 174 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, an 88.5 PFF grade, which was one of the best of the week. Yeah, I think the Pickett explanation was there just weren't a whole bunch of negative plays. Um, there was a sack that was on him. Um, should have been better as far as setting protection and everything. That was that was his fault. There was a couple misses, and the misses were bad, right? He just kind of sure. like, he short-hopped one that was ugly. He uh, airmailed an out route that was ugly. Um, but we're not dinging him for ugly. You know, a miss is a miss, right? Throwing an uncatchable pass is an uncatchable pass. There were no turnover-worthy plays in there. There was a big-time throw. And there was just a whole bunch of positives. Most of his passes, um, or a lot of his passes, earned positives. And again, with the adjusted completion, he's up at about 80% adjusted completion. And not only were those drops, um, you know, affecting his stats, but they were positives, right? He had a couple positives in there that I mean, one of, it's another one where one of those incompletions is a touchdown. You yes. Know, in the end zone to, uh, was it Deontay Johnson? Um, yeah, he's got a nice fade, back shoulder fade to, yeah. uh, to Deontay Johnson. So add a touchdown, because he had zero, but add a touchdown to his stats. His passer rating's probably up at 100. So again, like you just see how one or two passes and a drop affect from, the stats and perception. Right. And a drop from George Pickens, which was on third down, would have kept the drive going. You know, the, the, the two plays in particular where his receivers really screwed him were big high leverage plays. So hypothetically, just, just give him two passes back. Let's say he's 23 for 29 for 210. Not, nothing it's not spectacular but 23 for 29 for 210 in a touchdown passer ratings probably 105 or something like that and it's like all right yeah that makes sense you know played pretty well so that was kenny pickett right he did mm -hmm. this was yeah i was in a dome you know with the glove with the gloves you don't have any weather to deal with but this was the best kenny pickett has thrown the ball the most decisive he's been the best he's thrown the ball and he really just he didn't miss a bunch of throws yep so so that's your explain the grade Done. For Lamar Jackson, Kenny Pickett. Yep. What else we got here today? I think now we're into Ariel, right? That's it? Uh-huh. That I mean, was a fun been show. talking for an hour. Is there any more Russell Wilson stuff we can discuss? <laughs> I'm sure there's no end of Russell Wilson stuff we could talk about. All right, so let's get to Ariel Hilwani. We had, uh, it was taped yesterday, full disclosure. Wow, we I'm are just gonna, I'm just going to ruin the magic. Like okay, so we're going to change. By the way, one more thing. Um, people that Spotify is doing their you know, end-of-year wrap-up thing. Um, some people have been tweeting how, how prominently the PFF NFL podcast features on their end of year wrap up deal. I'm curious. I think we did this last year. Who can tweet at us the, the largest number of minutes that they have listened to over the year with the PFF NFL podcast? Somebody. What's the, the record one? so far? Because that first one we saw was massive. Right. 13,350 13, minutes is the one that I've seen. Is that 150 hours of us? sure uh so tyler you don't count you're not you're not in this competition it's like the you know those competitions you run where if you work for this particular enterprise you're not eligible yeah, for family entry. ineligible so tyler doesn't count uh, other people actual listeners outside of the booth uh can you beat thirteen thousand three hundred and fifty minutes if so tweet us yeah appreciate everybody uh letting us know check it out on spotify 
And if you don't, Austin Gill can send us all the data. Mm, it's true. Spotify. Yeah. He'll, uh, you know, he'll get us all the information. We'll, we'll know who listens to us the most. All right, let's get to Ariel Hawani, um, and then that's it. We'll just we'll end the show. <laughs> we'll just leave. Yeah. That'll be our Bills Patriots preview. We'll get all of his Bills takes, other takes, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow as we preview all the Week 13 NFL action. All right, we are excited to be joined once again by Ariel Hawani. He is making his return to the PFF NFL podcast. I'm wearing my Josh Allen jersey. You are, I see that. In honor, because last time you were here, Ariel, I was I was pre-Josh Allen apology. I had not apologized to him for being in, uh, a cyborg at quarterback, and you kind of extracted it out of me. Bullied and, it out um, of you. You bullied me. right? Yeah. You bullied me a little bit, um, <laughs> and I've since apologized and signed an apology letter, but welcome back. It's great to have Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back, although I find it interesting that you have me back on when uh, Josh is struggling a little bit. Uh, so I hope this is not you trying to say, I told you so, because no, I have no, a lot of never. things to say about those people. I mean, I just love, Josh makes one mistake and everyone's like, I told you so. Like at some point he's gonna earn enough sort of credibility with people to where one bad game or one bad drive won't be an indictment on his entire career. But nevertheless, excited to be back. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. No, no it, definitely it was, not it just gotcha. because the Bills are playing on Thursday night, that's why. It's that, yeah, but I also think it's Fair good enough. it's a good uh time to bring him on and, and ask him you know why is josh relatively struggling right because because it, it isn't he hasn't gone back to where he was before you know we signed apology forms and when everybody was labeling him just a, just a bad quarterback and a guy that was never really going to get it he he's definitely still the sort of the amazing quarterback but now there's these mistakes creeping in the the multiple turnovers a game multiple turnover where he plays a game do you have any feel for why all of a sudden he's making more mistakes this year than he had the last couple of seasons? Well, I feel like there is a sort of uh, point there where the mistakes started to um, creep in more and more, and that's when he got injured. I, I really think that the Jets game was not, you know, uh, not one for the highlight reel and, you know, unclear when exactly he got hurt, but certainly towards the end of the game, he was hurt. And then you see the Vikings game the following week, and I felt like he was just pressing things. He was making uncharacteristic mistakes. I mean, the fumble. Um, you know, in the end zone was was a huge blunder. Uh, the pick in overtime was a huge blunder. I feel sometimes that he can't accept the fact that he is human. He can't accept the <laughs> fact that he gets banged up, that, uh, you know, he can get injured. And he all, almost tries to overcompensate for that and force things when sometimes he could just go for the easy play, but he needs to, like, thread the needle and get it in there and, you know, score that knockout blow. Pardon the pun. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel everyone that I've, uh, you know, I'm no expert. I'm no, you know, uh, doctor. I'm no medical guy. But it seems like everyone says that that type of injury, that elbow injury can affect you, especially if you're a quarterback. Uh, Bryce Harper in, in Major League Baseball had the, a similar injury. He now has had to go under the knife. He was able to, you know, finish out the season and he had a great season, but he's not getting tackled by 300-pound men, you know, every, you know, two minutes like Josh is. This has actually made me love Josh even more because the guy is just, he, he is allergic to quitting. He doesn't know what it means to sit out. He doesn't know what it means to not play. And then he doesn't know what it means to go and take his intensity level from a 12 to a five. Like you still, if you didn't know that he suffered that injury against the Jets, you would have no idea by his intensity, right? By his drive, he is still running. He is still putting his body on the line. So yes, I think he's banged up. I think the performance against Detroit would suggest that as well. 
uh, but I and that's my guy for life, and uh, I will never say a negative thing about him. As as a Bills super fan, and you're watching, and you know, there's so much on Josh Allen's plate every week. So my theory's been. They put a lot on his plate, right? And if, is it too much? You know, every third and short, it's like, all right, maybe we're just going to run the QB sweep and let him do it. With such a good team around him, is it on the team to just say, hey, a few more handoffs, you know, taking the easy, encouraging him taking the easy stuff rather than relying on his superhuman effort all the time? Maybe, and I've seen some people say that, uh, you know, they missed Dayball. He was a lot more creative, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he's the sure thing. You know, when it's uh, third and short, like, or even if it's fourth and one, like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go with him. And I will say this. I have been a little iffy on Devin Singletary over the past couple seasons. I really think he stepped up his game over the last, you know, few weeks. Uh, Singletary's been great. I don't know if he's, you know, been hearing about Cook or, you know, they make the deadline deal and all this stuff, and he's, you know, feeling those footsteps coming his way. But I really think Singletary has stepped up. Uh, I would say, you know, at times the wide receivers have been a little bit disappointing this year. It's been a bit of a roller coaster of a year, but I would also say this time last year, November, was their worst month of the season. Remember, they lost to the Jaguars. They had that performance at first half against the Bucks. I mean, that's when people were really writing them off, and then they picked it up come December and, of course, in January. So, at like, I was laughing at the beginning of the year. I remember they were, I think they were maybe 2-0. and Yeah, it was after the Titans game, and everyone was like, they can run the table. They can run the table. I was like, are you guys insane Every running year. the table? What are you talking about? Like, First of all, these are the Bills, and second of all, you know, it's, it's damn near impossible in today's NFL to run the table. So I knew that a lull would happen. I prefer the lull to happen in November than to happen in December or January. So this, to me, is reminiscent of last season. I think they're a better team than last year's, so I'm not pressing the panic button just yet. And 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 by the way, considering what they accomplished over the last two seasons, excuse me, two weeks, moving the 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 you know the the first game to Detroit against Cleveland, that was stressful. They couldn't you know they couldn't practice on Friday. Everyone's sick on Wednesday. All that drama about leaving their homes and then having to return you know four or five days later and then beat a super hot Detroit team at home. Come on. I mean, like, they're, I know they're not, you know, highlight real wins, but they're showing something here. And uh, I've been, you know, I've been very happy. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the Bills obviously started the season as, like, the red-hot Super Bowl favorites. They were, I think, universally accepted. They had the best roster in the NFL. And now we're, we're what, 12 weeks through the season. Everybody's still kind of confident in that, including Vegas. Like the, the 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 odds still have the Bills as the Super Bowl favorite, despite you know they're they're one game back from Kansas City, they're second in their own division, albeit on the the tiebreaker with Miami. How are you feeling overall about this team's chances of winning a Super Bowl? Because that's what it's about for them now, right? Like the last year was great; they showed they can hang with the Chiefs. This season is all about the Super Bowl. And anything else, you know, it's, it's not a failure, but it, it doesn't hit the target, right? Oh, 100%. Um, I did see this morning, so I'm a bet MGM guy, and I saw that the uh, the Chiefs have now surpassed them oh, as the okay. Super Bowl favorites for the first time. I think, I think the Chiefs are plus 400, Bills plus 450. And uh, you know what? I was supremely happy when I saw that. I, I've never felt comfortable with the Bills being the <laughs> Super Bowl favorites. I prefer us being the underdog. I prefer us creeping up on people. Like, that's not, obviously not going to happen now. But this idea that they have to live up to a certain expectation always made me feel uncomfortable. So uh, I'm okay with that. I still believe in them. 
I would really love to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I would love to get that number one seed. I do not want to go through Kansas City again, even though we've had success there in the regular season, not in the playoffs. And you know what's something that really pissed me off? Like, I consume a lot of uh, media. I'm a fan. I, you know, I obviously do my own shows, so I like being a fan. One thing that drove me nuts after the Chiefs win, everyone was like, "All right, well, that settles it." You know, the 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 AFC Championship runs through Buffalo now. That's it. They got. I was like, "Isn't it Week Five or something like that?" What are you guys talking about? We beat the Chiefs in a similar week last year, and we had to go through Kansas City again. Like these narratives that people want to, you know, uh, stamp things in September and October and give people false hope. It's all a bunch of hogwash. So we've got some massive, massive games coming up. First things first, we need to secure the division. That's number one. Uh, I mean, all this stuff with the Jets and Dolphins, it's all very cute, but they can't, you know, they can't hold our jocks. I mean, they are nowhere near as good as Buffalo, and it pisses me off that the Jets and Dolphins fans think that they are as good as the Bills. This is our time, this is our era, and we have let them come into the conversation. Guess what? We control our destiny. We've got the Patriots coming up this weekend, then we've got the Jets, then we've got, you know, uh, Miami, and then we've got the Patriots at home all in buffalo they have to those guys have to go through orchard park so i'm very very excited about that because we lost we didn't lose to the dolphins um when was it week three we lost to the weather we lost to the weather that was it the, the guys cramped up we got we did not lose to the dolphins i see what you're doing over there we lost to the weather all right <laughs> the jets game was a complete abomination they played down to the competition josh got hurt even the Viking, like I don't think there's a true loss on the record. We could oh. be undefeated right now. It's <laughs> actually not a true loss on the record. We have not been outplayed by anyone. Have we been outplayed by anyone? Has there been a total stinker? Tell me, yes or no? The, the weather game in Miami. The, we the weather game was a stinker, but it wasn't because of anything that Miami did to us. We almost won the game at the very end. They freaking were punting it into their butts I was at about, the very end there. I was about <laughs> to compliment you about how level-headed you are. No, because the more I talk about it, I get crazy, and then the super fan comes out, and, and uh, that, that's that's an ugly side. I was going to say, you're so level-headed. How can you consume all the media that you consume? Of course everybody's going to – every time Josh Allen makes a great throw in primetime, it's like, oh, there's the MVP, and then Mahomes uh. makes a great throw it's like no he's the mvp everybody overreacts to the last thing they saw five seconds ago no but josh gets more like josh throws a bad pass josh throws an interception josh makes a mistake i feel like everyone comes crash he's not who we thought he was oh what do what, what, uh, Tua's better than him freaking nathan peterman <laughs> is better than him bring back tyrod taylor like i see the craziest takes anytime josh makes a mistake and and mahomes is playing great and he's in the mvp conversation he'll always be he's like a generational talent but i feel like josh still doesn't get that respect for some reason from people do, do you not agree like i i, I just feel like he is scrutinized way more than any of the other quarterbacks you need to cleanse your timeline you need to talk to sam <laughs> sam has this way what you got to do is you put something offensive out there right you put something offensive yeah. out oh, there smart you get the super fans and you mute all of them yeah right offends the super fans mute all of them cleanse your timeline you will never hear two is better than alan you'll only have the people that you want to hear we get into your echo chamber That's it, how yeah you do it. it's at this point it's almost impossible for me to see an angry jets fan because they've all been muted from my timeline like all of them over the last couple of months none of them exist anymore so i'm sure they're all still out there hammering me and pff and everything we do about the jets i just no longer see it it's great i love that and i hate the jets fans gosh you know i live in the new york area and i didn't realize i knew so many jets fans all of a sudden <laughs> they beat the bills for the first time in god out. knows how long and they all come out of the freaking woodwork i mean texting me literally seconds after the win <laughs> DMing, texting i was like 
you guys like i didn't even know you existed what the hell like congratulations on your super bowl in early november well done bravo they are non-factors they are absolute non-factors i cannot wait for the miami at buffalo game and the new york at buffalo game i cannot wait for those games because i feel like those are going to be the games the bills are going to rise to the um you know to to the occasion and and there are certain I said this, I remember it perfectly. And I'm not saying that I have any sort of power, but I was texting my friend, good friend of mine, Pete Carroll from Blanchardstown, a fellow Irishman, and he's become a, Bills, a big Bills fan as well. And he was like, holy crap, during the Titans game, you guys are gonna win the Super Bowl. And I said, the only thing that's gonna stop us are injuries. And I know that's a big thing that affects everyone. I swear to God, guys, Within two minutes, Micah Hyde gets injured. And everything feels like it's changed since that injury. And then there's Jordan Poyer and there's Matt Milano. And I know everyone deals with their stuff. And now there's Von Miller. Oh, please, God, Von Miller. I'm happy. It doesn't seem like an ACL, but we need that guy back. You know, the run D has not been tremendous. It's always been our Achilles heel. And then, of course, the Josh thing. If we can somehow get back to 100%, I will take that team and stack them up against anyone. It's just the injuries. And, you know, that's, that's why you play the games. And that's why it's a 17-game season and the playoffs and all that stuff. Stuff, but I do believe pound for pound when healthy we are the best team in the NFL no doubt about it yeah we I think we said coming into the season that the the biggest concern for for the Bills is it's just injuries you know which is random ass luck generally right like uh, if if they stay healthy they have the best roster they should be in contention the, the biggest scare for them is not an area of weakness on the roster it's that an area that is a strength becomes a weakness by injuries um I want to ask you, you you said before you're a giant sports fan. Um, we talked the last time you were on about all the, the different things you're doing in addition to the MMA stuff. Um, Canada's at the World Cup now. I saw you you chose Nottingham Forest as your, your EPL team. You're, yes. you're, into the, you're into that as well. Where would a Bills Super Bowl rank for you in like the hierarchy of, you know, fan successes, fans things to live through? Uh, where would that Bills Super Bowl rank? Is that number one? Is that the top? There's two teams. So I grew up, my, my favorite three teams growing up as, as a kid in Montreal were uh, the Bills, the Knicks, and the Montreal Expos. Uh, the Montreal Expos, in case you don't know, baseball team, they it, don't exist anymore. An Expos anymore. World Series would be number one basically yes uh th th that's not going to happen anytime soon <laughs> they're now the washington nationals and the nationals did win the world series and it was like one of the most depressing days of my life because i never got to see the expos um you know even in the playoffs let alone win a playoff game 94 so their year the bill yes 94 strike we go on and on about that uh bills and knicks uh but i would say uh the bills Super Bowl would at, at this point mean a hell of a lot more to me because the Bills were the first team, like the first sports team that I ever fell in love with because I was eight years old and I was watching the Giants Super Bowl in Tampa and I saw Scott Norwood miss the field goal and you know I was just a, I was just a kid watching with my 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 uh, cousins and uncles and uh, brothers and I felt something in my heart for that team like I watched the way they play and I loved the way they played I loved the K gun and I felt something and then I said all right that's my team and then uh, they play Washington and I remember going to my parents bedroom when they lost to Washington and crying like I remember exactly what was around me I remember what I was wearing crying and my brothers were Cowboys fans so you can imagine what the next two Super Bowls felt like and so for all those teams for all those players for Thurman Thomas for Bruce Smith for Jim Kelly for Cornelius Bennett for Daryl Talley for all those guys Kenneth Davis who I love Keith McKellar all those guys back in the 90s Norwood Christie uh, Don Beebe Andre Reid I could go on and on Doug Flutie later on I would love to see it happen. And 
amazingly, the power of the internet has allowed me to meet some members of the Bills organization, in particular, their social media team. There's a woman named Kelsey Sweet who is incredibly kind. And I, I feel like I now have an even deeper connection to the team. And in fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but last month I got to attend my very first Bills home game. I've never oh, nice. been wow. to Orchard Park prior to last month. It was October 8th. It was the Steelers game, which you may recall was a complete beatdown. And yeah. uh, I got to go on the field with my kids and I got to meet a couple legends, Steve Tasker, Eric Wood, and uh, we got to sit in pretty good seats. And it just felt, I mean, I was a super fan going into it and I'd never been to a home game. I'd seen them on the road afterwards, seeing what Orchard Park is like, seeing how much they mean to the community. I knew all these things and I saw the footage, but like actually feeling it, experiencing it, touching it, I now feel a deeper connection to the franchise and, um, and to the community and to everything. So. Yeah, that one, like, I think about it sometimes and I get chills right now talking about it. Like, I want to know what that feeling is like that Sunday in February when you're just sitting back and you're on your couch and you're watching the confetti and you're seeing everyone have that, you know, like we saw last year with Aaron Donald. Like, I just want to know what that is like. I just want to see the bills. I want to go on Instagram and see like the posts. I want to see the commercial with the t-shirt. I just want that once, just <laughs> once in my life. I just want to know what it's like. You get to be the like. default want, team. I, I'm never going to be that dynasty guy. The next year, I that's don't want also... the dynasty. I just want one. That's yeah. all. Just one. So yeah, I'm rooting for you now. Yeah, I think I mean, that's everyone yeah. deserves one, right? The, the teams just that have one, gone through man. their entire existence never getting it. The Patriots sitting over there like every other year, winning a Super Bowl, and there's other teams that don't even get to them in their entire franchise history. It just it, that doesn't feel fair. Patriots fans still kicking themselves because they're a couple plays away from ten. I know, no, screw the Patriots fans. Cool. Listen, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he's like, "Oh, I just want to see a playoff win." I'm like, "Yeah, you cannot say a thing." <laughs> a Patriots from fan now, saying that? Yeah, he's like, "Oh, let's get in the playoffs and get one win." I'm like, "Screw you! You guys don't deserve." Uh, I mean, first of all, you cheated up and down the whole damn thing, but we can, you know, that, I mean, the flake gates, buy gate, all the gates in the world, throwing their phones out. Anyway, I'm still bitter about it all. Uh, just give us one. And That's then, stupid. like, a, a franchise like the Rams, no one cares about the Rams in L.A. That, like, I was rooting for Cincinnati, if only because... And by the way, I will go to my grave believing that we beat the Chiefs. We're winning that Super Bowl last year. There's no way we're losing to Cincinnati at home, and there's no way the Rams are beating us. I'm sorry. I will believe that until the day I die. Unfortunately, we didn't beat the Chiefs. Those 13 seconds will stink forever. We can check. But I just want scores. one, and I don't want one of these, like, bullshit franchises, excuse my swearing, uh, to get it, who don't even care? You don't even care. Come on, enough of this. Like, who, who's next? Who's gonna who's who's gonna win next? Uh, the Arizona Cardinals? Like, no one cares. All right. No, give it's it your to time. the damn people of Buffalo. It's Bills, it's our time, baby. Thank Bills you. are gonna do no, it. I appreciate it. Thank you for your support. I got my I got my jersey. All right, we're gonna circle back to your uh, Patriots hate because we do have to talk a little bit of Thursday night football in a minute. But we have to ask about the story that came up. Uh, I think it was this off season about Dana White trying to get Tom Brady to oh, Vegas yeah. Yeah, to, to be a Raider. Is that something you knew about? Had you heard anything about that? What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that still could happen if 46-year-old Tom Brady decides to come back next year? Why would the Raiders want him? Golly, I mean, it's been embarrassing. You know, no one to hold them, no one to fold them. Uh, this is one of the great blunders. And I won't get into the personal stuff, of course, but I mean, he should have left last year. I think we all uh, could agree on that. He is not the same. Why would the Raiders want him? I wouldn't want him and he's only gonna get worse. I mean, by the way, no shame in being, what, 45, 44, whatever he is. No shame in looking like that. I mean, the guy has done enough. I don't know why. I mean, look, I get why. 
fighters, I talk to them all the time and they don't know when to say goodbye as well. Like it's just a drug and, and it's hard to walk away, especially when you were that good for so long. But uh, no, I didn't know about it. And if I'm the Raiders, I'm staying far away. And, and I don't think, and I don't know. I don't know why he said it, to be honest. Like he did this thing where he said it and then he's like, oh, I didn't mean to say it. And it felt like a thing where you just wanted to get some clout for being like, I almost brought him, but it was on John Gruden, the guy who's no longer around and doesn't really do media and can't really defend himself. And so I'll put that out there. Like, yeah, I, you know, I think the kids call it capping, you know, <laughs> I will I say cap. some of us in this, Dude. in this particular chat are snake bitten by uh, writing off Tom Brady too soon, you know, like yeah. right eight or nine years ago, for example. Um, so I you think as much as Tom Brady doesn't look great right now, I, I honestly don't see the physical decline. Like, it's not like Peyton Manning the last year of his career where you're like, oh, that guy is done. There, there's nothing you can do to bring back the old Peyton Manning. I still think the high-end Tom Brady, the MVP caliber type of player, the guy we saw last year, for example, is still there. Like, it's just the situation around him isn't as good. The, the coaching isn't as good. I, I think there's a world where you reunite Tom Brady with Josh McDaniels and all of a sudden this thing starts to look good again. Oh, God. Are we going to do this years. all over again? Really? Just a couple more years in Vegas for Brady. Uh, look, Ariel, I'm oh. not writing him off again. I did it nine years ago. It was a mistake, and I'm still living it down. Sam's very Leave cautious. us alone. Just it's like enough, all right? It's like it I'll never write like Josh, music Josh on the Josh Titanic Allen. right now, okay? Like, enough. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You, you can write him off. I'm not, I will do it. I'm not going there. I will gladly there. do it. Leave us alone. We've okay. had enough. Goodbye, Tom. It's been fun. <laughs> Back to the AFC with McDaniels. Same division oh as Mahomes. Wow. By the way, I would love to see Tampa in the uh, in the Super Bowl. That would be nice. That would be a nice little full circle moment for us. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we can make it. I don't think they will. And, and, and you know, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll good. be proven wrong. But uh, I'm allowed to be bitter, all right? It's no. been, you know, Carry on. there have been enough beatdowns over the last 20 years. I'm allowed to hold that grudge. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. You have yeah. to be you have to be the unbiased sort of you know neutral guy to a degree. In this world, I could be the crazy person. No, it's true. You've been you've been brought on because of your connection to the Bills. You're allowed to embrace it. It's it's fine. That's the, it's all about balance, right? It's like the BBC right. over here. We got one side, then we got to give the other side. Um, so looking ahead to Thursday, how do you is this? Are the Patriots just not what they used to be anymore? It's not the same specter. It's not the same fear. It's Mac Jones instead of Tom Brady. So Buffalo just rolls, right? Sort of, but, you know, look, the playoff the playoff game was tremendous. The playoff game was one of the greatest <laughs> moments of my life. As a, like, I just didn't want it to stop. I was like, please, more. And the Micah Hyde interception in the end zone is one of the greatest plays that I've ever seen. I, I mean, it was it was as close to a perfect game in, in baseball that you can get in, in football from Josh Allen, right? I mean, I forget the stats now, like how many third downs there were. I don't even think there was a fourth. It was just nuts. The whole thing was yeah. nuts. Um, that being said, if you recall... The Monday night game in Buffalo was a complete embarrassment. And this was around the time that I was saying, that, you know, November-ish, late November-ish, where people were like, holy crap, the Bills aren't for real. And they completely crapped the bed on that one. And even when they went to Foxborough in late December, it wasn't, you know, a one-sided, you know, it, it was a close game. Uh, I believe Isaiah McKenzie had a great game, if memory serves me correct. Anyway, I'm not, you know, it's still Foxborough. It's still Bill Belichick there's still those demons there so i'm not expecting plus we're banged up yeah you know usually you play a thursday game 
you get you know a few days we're not getting those few extra days right we're going thursday to thursday here so and we're back on the road again for another you know we had detroit detroit again and now new england so i'm not ex i'm expecting a tight one we always seem to play these afc east teams very closely for whatever reason we can't uh you know we can't put any separation same thing happened last year right the patriots were threatening to uh, win the division again so i i don't think i don't think mac jones is a great quarterback i don't think he's anywhere near as good as people thought he was last year i don't think he's anywhere near as good as um josh allen of course i mean obviously uh but i'm not expecting a blowout here i'm ex i'm expecting it it's never easy it will never be easy for us even this year when everyone thought we were going to run the table look what happened after week two it will never be easy so i'm expecting like a 21 to 17 type of game Ooh. so vegas has it at four and a half oh there right you go now. five and a half five and a half now yep well, green line's not updated, huh? Apparently not. Well, I that the app's not updated. One of the two. Okay. So five and a half. So you. So I don't want to put words into your mouth. I didn't know that, for the record. But I would always take the bills. Okay, points, I was going to no say points, money line. We're asking everybody, <laughs> and you would be the first fan, I guess, that we've brought on here that wouldn't be picking their team. We had Joe Thomas no. picking the Browns by a billion. Ariel, you, you said you were an M a bet MGM guy. If you would like the strongest edge in in the betting landscape in the world this year what you want to do is to pick the exact opposite of whatever it is steve picks i actually ran the numbers and it is by far the best picking rate against the spread wow. of anything if you just reverse it if you just yeah. flip it yeah, upside yeah. down he's ahead by like seven games or something from the next best yeah, guy by so, an island so are you going with the uh, patriots plus five and a half I was. I'd probably Ooh. take the Bills here too. Ah, sorry. I yeah. I'll, I'll take the Patriots at five and a half. But oh, legitimately, you don't think they're going to win, right? No like money line. You don't pick. Them. No, no, no. Right. No, I think Buffalo wins. New England covers. It's fascinating it. because the last year that that Monday night game was as unique as it gets as far as oh. NFL. Like Mac Jones threw three times once wind, yeah. into the fourth quarter. Right, all run game. Um, but the other game was more, you know, in Foxborough, it was more of a straight-up type of game. And the Bills last year were just a, they were a better team. They were on their way to winning the division. Um, Bills fans probably sounded like Jets fans last year. That, what you're referring to as Jets fans. Like, oh, you know, we're the new team. We're the new team. That's how Bills fans, right? Bills are sitting right. atop the division now, right? They've overtaken the Patriots. So I think this is still the Bills division. I think they're going to win. They're going to cover even on the road here. Wow. How do you guys feel? Like, do you, do you feel like we are not for real do you feel like we can turn this around and, and when i say turn this around i don't mean like we're tanking right now but you know expectations now i think have gone down a little bit what do you guys think i think the bills are still legit i i think it might end up being a harder road than it was supposed to be you know you, it might yeah. not the, the playoffs might not go through buffalo this year and you might have to do it on the road um against kansas city that the other team you don't appear to be concerned about at all but i think are looming is Miami like oh, I, I think that offense is scary and okay their yeah. defense might be inconsistent but Miami are going to make the playoffs and I, I think once they do that's a terrifying team for pretty much everybody so as much as we're all expecting Kansas City Buffalo to be a repeat playoff game again at some point somebody's going to get through Miami and I don't think that's going to be that easy I am right. interested in Miami in the Northeast, though. I am interested yes. in that I think that that is different we've always talked about even bad Dolphins teams do have an advantage down in Miami they do oh yeah um, and, and historically I remember in the 90s with Dan Marino they would always have, always have trouble uh, up in Buffalo in December and January 
Um, I'm happy to see Tua back. I'm, I'm happy. You know, that was some scary stuff. I'm, I'm happy that it's apparently not going to affect him. I'll tell you the guy that terrifies me because he killed the Bills was Hill. You know, when he, it just like we couldn't stop him, and especially in the playoffs. So I, I do hate the fact that he is on Miami. But uh, I, I will admit the Von Miller thing is, is you know, yeah, that has potential one. to change things. Um, yeah, you, is a very tough you're one. coming at this from an interesting place with your sort of background in MMA reporting. Um, the Tua concussion stuff, like we're in this weird spot now where football is sort of trying to clean up the game and remove these concussions and head hits as much as possible, blah, blah, blah. But at some point, we're just battling against physics here, right? 250-pound guys hitting 250-pound guys is inevitably going to cause concussions because your brain simply can't deal with that kind of force. And from an MMA world or boxing or combat sports, like you can't take that out of the game, right? It's part of the game. So how do you, how should a sport like football proceed with trying to make the game safer, but at some point drawing a line and saying, okay, this is just what needs to happen for this sport to exist? Yeah, well, it's really tough. You have to proceed with massive caution, but they don't. And, you know, the luxury that fighting has, as opposed to NFL, like, let's say there's a fight this weekend and a guy gets knocked out. Now, the athletic commission will suspend that guy and say, all right, you can't have contact for six months. Right. And they're only fighting, you know, two, three times a month. Now, they're not going to the gym on Monday to make sure that that guy is actually, you know, adhering to these 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 suspensions right so if someone's dumb they could just go and continue to get knocked and it will just shorten their career you would hope that they have coaches and managers um surrounding them they'll be like yo you need to chill i i i am sensitive to the fact that in the nfl you've got week four and then right. week five and you lose a couple of games and now you're staring at not making the playoffs and the revenue loss and all that stuff and so there's an immense amount of pressure on these guys especially in the quarterback position to come back and i just think you know i don't know what the long-term effects of all of that is again i'm no doctor but i thought that they mishandled it i didn't think he should have come back in the second half and then you saw what happened you know uh, i think it was a week or two later uh, very, very scary stuff, and I think that they should be counting their lucky stars from now until the end of time that it didn't get worse. But it's it's hard to compare the two just because those guys have to play 17 plus weeks, and you know the fighters, you know, you could take the year off. Like right. like there's a, a fighter named Israel Desanya who just got knocked out, and his his coach is going to want him to take a very, very long layoff. Uh, before he even thinks about coming back, even thinks about starting a training camp and all that stuff. And so you can avoid it. And also, if you're a fighter, you can avoid it by just focusing on grappling for a little bit and not getting punched in the head. In your sport, in the NFL and football, you can't. So it's, I just think it's good. It's sort of like in fighting where, you know, shady judging and scoring and refereeing is always going to be a problem no matter how many times i'll go on my show and say this needs to be fixed and that needs to be fixed it's going to be a problem in fighting from now until the end of time this issue which is a lot more serious is going to be a problem from now until the end of time there's just no way around it all right final question for you ariel and we'll let you go um NFL is full of athletic freak shows so we want to have a little NFL MMA crossover if you could take one player in the NFL and uh, assume the training is all done for MMA, who would you like to see compete in the octagon? You know, I've been asked this question before. My my choice is always Josh Allen. He's an unbelievable <laughs> athlete. He's a big boy. He's as quick as can be. He's agile. He could take a hit. He's strong as hell. He is fearless, right? He doesn't mind getting hit. 
who better than him? He's got a rocket of a right hand, right? True. Who better than him? Yeah. Who else would you want in there? In the pocket, any day, any time, I bet on number 17. Mr. Thumbs Up himself. I love that guy. I've never met him. I've never interacted with him. I know very little about him uh, other than the fact that he's a winner, a leader, a QB1, also does great things in the community. But yeah. remember that clip that came out recently? It was like one week, he loses to the Vikings. Well, actually, the Jets and Vikings. What does he do at the press conference? He takes it all on himself, all on his shoulders. Following week, Zach Wilson, you know, puts up a stinker. What does he do? No, I don't, you know. I don't know anyone anything. I didn't let the defense down. That's the difference, right? That's the difference between our leader and everyone else's. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. He's like, no, I don't care. I did my part. You'll never hear that from Josh. And that's why at the end of the day, even if they don't, God forbid, win the Super Bowl, even if they never realize that potential, as a father now, as a 40-year-old man, as someone who kind of looks for the good people and the ones that I want my kids to be fans of, I am very happy that my kids are fans of his that they are supporting him that that's their guy because I, I would hate for them to support a guy like you know Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson <laughs> even Tom Brady <laughs> Tom Brady's a good I could role say model. again I could say these things yeah no it's, it's okay. perfect yeah you get Josh uh, <laughs> we, we need to, my kids like Josh Allen too we just get to bring Ariel on to say the things that we can't say it's yeah perfect. yeah, we yeah. <laughs> we're, we're unbiased we're you know we're wearing the shield over sure, here sure, Rob sure. Lowe style yeah just rooting for the NFL you know that's right. Um, Ariel Hilwani expressed on this uh, interview are that of uh, Ariel. Yes, Hilwani. yeah. We'll have a disclaimer <laughs> go across the bottom. Perfect. <laughs> Ariel Hilwani, host of the MMA Hour. You've got your own YouTube channel. Where else can everybody find you? Uh, just on social media, Ariel Hawani. I tweet a lot about the Bills, especially on Sunday. I'm very excited to be back. Thank you for having me, and hopefully this is a sign of good things to come. And around February, mid-February or so, after the parade, we can link up again and talk about how great it all was. We'll, we'll bring you awesome. back for the post-parade show. Mm -hmm. And then also, Sam just started watching the first Royal Rumble the other oh. night. And so I said, well, I want to have some sort of, I want to have a late 80s, 90s type of... Uh, what prompted that? We got to rewatch some stuff here. I, I saw, I don't know, I saw something on TV and I was like, yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched those old 80s, you know... Tremendous WrestleMania things, and then I went looking for them, and Steve's like, "Oh, they're all sitting there on Peacock, like everything." I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay, like that's that's tonight sort of." Which is a pain <laughs> yeah. point for the rest of us who actually want to look for stuff on there, but you know, yeah. it's fine, right? Um, so yeah, we'll have to have some sort of show too, where we're just you know going through some old school stuff and the screw job and all that, whatever we can talk. Oh about. yes, anytime. So all right, thanks, Ariel. Appreciate it, man. Thank you guys. Go Thank Bills. you so much.